Hello there. You're listening to the Box Office Show. I'm Ryan Hill. And I'm Dylan Johnson. Today we're going to be talking about the box office numbers from last weekend and our box office predictions for this upcoming weekend. We will also be doing another installment of Cinema Showdown. This time we're going to be arguing over which of the Daniel Craig Bonds is the best. We have our guests from the Fast and Furious episode back here with us, Ryan Mayers and Kirk Simpson. Thank you so much for coming back. Wouldn't Thank you for having worlds. shake-up this time. I won't be the judge. It will be Ryan Mayers. You are the judge. I've never seen a Bond movie. There you go. I didn't really see Bond movies before doing this episode. So <laughs> now I've I am, seen many. Yeah, you're like the Bond expert. I was, so I had to be initiated into the Bond. But, <laughs> <laughs> but yes, in anticipation of the final Daniel Craig movie, no Time to Die, Bond 25. We will be talking about all the previous Bonds that he did, and we will be trying to argue for which Bond we think is the best, the one that if Ryan could only see one of them, this is the one he's got to see. So we will each be picking three of the four. Uh, well, each of us will have one of the films, and so we'll be arguing for three of the four total Daniel Craig films that have already come out. And... You will see our arguments later in the show. Before that, we're going to have some brief news and update on that Scarlett Johansson and Disney lawsuit thing. They settled it. It's done. It's about time. Right. They privately did it, so we're never going to really know the details. We're never going to know how much money it was that ScarJo got paid. But given the fact that they both afterwards and their, their PR people we're saying, oh, we are so happy to continue our collaboration with the other person. It'll be great. Seems like ScarJo did get her payday, and Disney's not too upset about it since they're going to continue working with her. But there you go. Yeah, they got like bajillions of dollars, so I'm sure they don't give a shit. <laughs> not quite. S- well, Disney, yeah, for yeah. sure. I saw a deadline report that estimated it's somewhere in the range of about $40 million dollars. Which is roughly what their cut should have been out of the. I think it was somewhere between sixty and hundred million that it made on Disney Plus through Premier Access. So, yeah, that is enormous. Yeah. <laughs> so good for her on getting that. And then there's also been talk about how they're going to change the contracts. Like Disney is already changing how they do their negotiations and get people into contracts so that they can avoid a situation like this in the future. So an interesting development on that front. Now moving into the box office breakdown, it was a very momentous historic weekend for the world this weekend, one of the most crucial we've had in the pandemic era, the weekend of October 1st to the 3rd. Big stuff internationally, which we'll get to, but we'll start with the domestic top 10 and crowning all of them. Number one, Venom Let There Be Carnage, the film from my roster Mm -hmm. of the box office draft, it exceeded the expectations we set last week. Dylan, you said 50 to 60 million. Blew that out of the water. 
I said 70 million. Blew that out of the water. It even blew Sean, our guest, the previous week. He guessed that it would be along the lines of the first Venom's opening weekend, which was 80 million. Blew that out of the water. This had a $90 million opening weekend, the biggest debut of the pandemic era, outgrossing Black Widow. It exceeded Venom 1's opening weekend. This is absolutely phenomenal for moi and for the box office industry, for Hollywood. Amazing. Dylan, how are you coping? Go fuck yourself. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm mad. I'm, I'm really mad. This is a, a huge blow to me. Right now, uh, what was it? Suicide Squad, in terms of whole gross, is like 50 million or so behind Jungle Cruise. So they are very close to being similar to one another. So those are our lower ends on both of our our box office. And I was hoping Venom would also come in on another lower end no. so that I could get another no. leg up on you with maybe Ghostbusters Afterlife. <laughs> but but no, people just had to see Carnage. People had to see Carnage. Yeah, buddy. This one is going to match and maybe exceed, especially internationally, Shang-Chi. And we talked about it before, but like, there's definitely these head-to-heads for the films on our rosters. Jungle mm-hmm. Cruise already beat Suicide Squad. Happy about that. Venom is going to be Shang-Chi. Happy about that. I Need No Time to Die to match F9, which has like 700 million or something. It needs to. We'll, we'll talk about that. We'll talk about <laughs> it. Uh, Eternals is going to get swamped by No Way Home. That for sure is going to just demolish. And then I need Matrix 4 to be on par with Ghostbusters Afterlife, which it probably will be. So yeah. I, I am feeling very good about my prospects in this draft. So you don't think Ghostbusters Afterlife will make $1 billion? You know, I don't think it's likely. <laughs> Not quite. Sucks to be you then. In second place, we have Adam's Family 2 with $17 million. Shang-Chi. Holding on, still making money. Got six million. The Many Saints of Newark, which is the prequel film for The Sopranos, made five million dollars, which is a lot less than we thought it would, unfortunately, for mm-hmm. The Sopranos folks. Yep, Dear Evan Hansen with two point four million. That was like a seventy percent drop or something like that. Oof. Get <laughs> fucked. <laughs> After that was Free Guy with two point two million dollars, still doing great. Candyman with one point two million. And Jungle Cruise with a little less than a million, around 700000 Just holding on for you, Ryan. Just, it's about to get knocked off, though. Sadly. But that's okay, because I got another film in my roster coming up on the horizon. No Time to Die, released in certain markets internationally, mainly in European markets. And it opened in the motherland of the United Kingdom, where it did gangbusters. Got $34 million in the UK, which is on par with Skyfall. It's slightly below Spectre, but we are in a pandemic era, so that's impressive that it was able to do what it did. It grossed, the actual numbers came in, the 119 million was an estimate worldwide. It actually is 121 million worldwide. So quite, it got so close to Spectre's 124, 124 million international opening. Didn't quite get there, but again, the fact that this was in a pandemic, and Spectre came out in 2015, which had, I mean, had an Avengers movie, had a Jurassic World movie, had the uh, Star Wars movie make $2 billion. I mean, the box office was healthy as could be in 2015. Inspector came out, No Time to Die, nearly matched that internationally. So looking forward to No Time to Die 
making its way to F9's total gross. Yeah, but the problem is now you have No Time to Die and Venom just battling it out with each other over the no, next that's okay. Days. Look, they did a nice little switcheroo thing. They said, look, internationally, you get No Time to Die for a bit. Venom will play domestically. Next week, we're about to get No Time to Die. Venom will slowly roll out internationally. It'll be great. Sure, it will. <laughs> sure, it will. On top of that, some other international box office news. Dune just crossed $100 million internationally, which is impressive. It is going to release in a couple weeks, and we are looking forward to Dune very much so. Have you finished reading the book, Ryan? I have not yet, but I am. my excitement is ratcheting up, so I am soon going to complete that, and I cannot wait to see that opening weekend in IMAX. It's going to be phenomenal. Yeah, I know. i got to start reading more. I'm only on like page 124, I think. Way behind. I've read an entire chapter of that book. <laughs> good, oh, good work, Ryan. Yeah. Hey, any progress? It's like That's I keep—they keep giving me more time to read it by delaying the movie, and I still don't read it. <laughs> <laughs> well, you only got like three weeks left now. I'm oh, definitely going to release it. So, catch up. We'll do a book club thing. Oh, <laughs> nice. <laughs> All right, moving on to our predictions. No Time to Die opens domestically this weekend. To compare, the opening weekend for Skyfall was $88 million, and for Spectre, it was $70 million. What do you guys think No Time to Die will get in its opening weekend? I will give it $80 million. I will give you the benefit of the doubt, Ryan, and I'll say $80 million. I don't know. I mean, I just looked it up. Spectre opened $70 million domestic mm -hmm. and that was pre-pandemic i don't know i feel like domestically james bond is a series that has a lot of brand recognition but not a lot of brand like engagement or fanaticism in the same way that the marvel movies do in the same way that like venom let there be carnage would have that kind of marvel bump i'm going closer 50 60 i think it's going to be a little disappointing for domestic Whoa, a low ball well, I'm, I'm praying that you're right, Kirk. I'm really, <laughs> I'm, I'm really hoping. Mr. Mayers. Um, honestly, I think I've, I've seen like excitement for it a little bit. Like not again, not as much as other stuff like uh, like Marvel or Venom or whatever. But I I think I lean towards uh, Dylan. So I'm going to put my bet at uh, 75. Mm. Gotcha. Okay. I mean, it's the last James Bond with Daniel Craig. I mean, come on. I think it'll get a solid opening. But I'm also doing the positive manifestation thing because I need it to open more. <laughs> yeah. So okay. I'm going to yeah. say, I'm going to say 90 million. I'm going to say it exceeds Skyfall just a little bit. Mm. I'm very much praying that that is the case. We'll see. I definitely think, like, it's got to get 75 million. I think it has to get that for sure. It's just, does it have enough to get the 80 million and get up to the 90 million? I'm hoping so. I'm hoping there's enough hype for it. The word of mouth is strong. It is well received. It is one of the other films of the Daniel Craig one that is seen as an actually good movie. There's only two other ones that are good. <laughs> so wow. Kirk, we'll see how you defend wow. yours. All but, right. <laughs> um, but yeah, I'm hoping that that'll be enough to get a nice, big, buzzy opening. I will so. say the reason I'm lowballing it is because No Time to Die is two hours and what, 42 minutes? That is true. Something yes. like that, which, as many people have pointed out, is plenty of time to die. But Venom... <laughs> 
has a tight 90 minute runtime, which means you can get so many more showings per day mm -hmm. and really squeeze out those box office numbers in a way that Absolutely. No Time to Die really can't. So it'll be interesting to see how that plays out this weekend. Mm -hmm. That's true. Absolutely. And speaking of Venom, what do you guys think its second weekend gross will be? I think its drop is going to be, for domestically at least, it'll be a bit heftier drop than we might have seen with like Shang-Chi or something like that mm -hmm. because of No Time to Die taking that money away. Because with Shang-Chi, there was just nothing coming out for like three weeks after. Right. So I think Venom is probably going to come in around no more than 40, like around 40, but probably not more. Yeah, probably 60, 65% drop. And that's charitable. <laughs> It'll probably be even lower than that. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm not very well informed, so I'm just going to agree with both of you. <laughs> <laughs> gotcha. Uh, yeah, I agree. I'm going to say 33 million would probably around it. I mean, it could, again, live off the hype that the post credit scene and people who like the first one, I mean, they know what they're getting this time around. So it may just be like, oh, it's a dumb film. Let's go just see it to waste some time. But because of no, no Time to Die coming out um, and the fact that I bet Venom was very front loaded, all the like very hyper engaged fans are going to go that opening weekend. Mm -hmm. I think it will take a hefty draw. Uh, so yeah, I'd say. 33 35 million did you go see venom over the weekend ryan because i know we were supposed to go and i had to yeah. cancel on you you bailed on me yeah Aww. i did go and see it <laughs> oh, i said good. i had to i had I to support it, it. <laughs> i had to I get it up to 90 it. million <laughs> i'm excited i'm probably gonna see it some point this week or over the weekend so i might be contributing to your second weekend it's so great it's so dumb <laughs> yeah it is i had very a great time <laughs> real quick what are your thoughts on it quality wise the two of you Oh God, it's hard to even like talk about a movie like Venom, Let There Be Carnage in terms of quality, <laughs> because that's not really why you're there. <laughs> like it has, <laughs> it has the same third act problem that every superhero movie has these days where it's just kind of a monster fight. But well, but that's what you want in this film. That is, that is what you want. That is specifically the, the thing you go for. Yeah. Woody Harrelson is absolutely insane. And the relationship between Venom and Eddie is so much fun. We love a queer romance. And especially in such a, a big uh, blockbuster movie like that, we absolutely were here for that. Yeah, that part is definitely the most fun. The little odd couple antics they get up to. So mm -hmm. That's very cool. Um, Woody Harrels, I mean, they were just, everyone there was having a bunch of fun. You could tell they're like, we're making some nice money from this. Mm -hmm. We're just living loose or just doing stupid stuff so i mean it time. is it's fun in that way but i mean yeah it is very stupid very dumb mm -hmm. i mean it's fun though that's worth fun. seeing worth seeing for sure Absolutely. i'm gonna make a prediction right now um i think no one's gonna be able to convince me to watch any movie as well as you all just convince me to watch venom let there be carnage <laughs> <laughs> we got him that's gonna be my favorite bond movie let venom can let there be carnage imagine <laughs> Yeah, it was Tom Hardy's audition for Bond. <laughs> it was him being Venom. Whoa. Imagine. <laughs> yeah, sure. Okay. Now it's time to do our main event, which is our <laughs> cinema showdown of the Daniel Craig Bond films. Basically, the rules are we, uh, myself, Ryan Hill, and Kirk have each selected one of the Daniel Craig Bond films to make an argument for, since Ryan Mayers has seen none of them, except for maybe a good half hour of Casino Royale on accident. Yep, that's true. <laughs> and... 
whichever one we convince him to watch, he's going to watch that one and that one alone, and the rest of them are going to be garbage to him. <laughs> and the person who convinces him the most becomes the winner. I've Is been, everyone clear on the rules? I've been told um, before the recording that if I don't watch the uh, movie that wins, that, quote, bad things will happen. Um <laughs> That is the promise we make you. Yes. All right. So who wants to go first? Should we do it in chronological order? Yeah, let's do it in release for order. Our, for our opening statements. I think so. Yeah. Also, just to clear up some of the rules as well. Ryan, do you have a like stopwatch or something that you can monitor the time with? I can do that. Yeah, it's beautiful. Because we will have three minutes for opening statements enforced by the judge, Mr. Mayors, Your Honor. The judge. Oh. We will have... <laughs> around 25 minutes for the cross-examination thing or just open debate. And then at the end of that, Ryan can choose whether or not to add five minutes. If he feels like he needs more talking, more discussion, he can ask questions and whatnot. I mean, you can do that throughout the whole thing, but you can ask more pointed questions for uh, any things you want to clear up before you go into deliberation. And then we will have one minute closing statements, our final piece on which film we think he should watch and then ryan's in the hot seat and he has to choose which bond film he will watch this is a lot more responsibility than just like sit down and let us tell you about movies <laughs> I'm, yeah you gotta take notes and everything and you actually have gotta, to listen yeah <laughs> man yeah all right i'll pay it i'll pay attention fine first like what I should know this by now, but the titles of the Bond movies. I know one of them is Skyfall. So I will be arguing for Casino Royale, which was the first release. After me will be Ryan Hill, who is arguing for Skyfall, which came out after Quantum of Solace, which was after Casino Royale. And then after Skyfall was Spectre, which is what Kirk will be arguing for. All right. Skyfall and Spectre. Cool. All right, so I guess that means first is uh, you, Dylan. Oh, That'll be me. All I right, have my, is the timer ready? I have my timer ready. I will start when you start. All right. Your Honor, ladies and gentlemen of the jury, <laughs> I'm here to present the case for Casino Royale as the best Daniel Craig movie to watch. Now, for the longest time, I considered Skyfall to be my favorite. I thought it was the best. I thought it was amazing. And there are a lot of pros for it, so it'll be hard for me to argue against Ryan Hill in this case, because he has quite a good movie in his hands. Spectre, on the other hand, is a hot, flaming piece of garbage. <laughs> and it's, it is amazing to me that Kirk selected the movie first. This is not something he was stuck with. This is something he chose. He picked it. It's, it's amazing. It's brilliant. But... I went second, and I had my choice between Skyfall and Casino Royale, and I chose Casino Royale for one specific, for a couple of specific reasons. Okay, <laughs> it is yeah, one, two a couple. Them. Exactly. <laughs> it is Daniel Craig's first Bond film. It's the first one he appeared in. It has fantastic action sequences, and it takes a lot of breathers from those action sequences to do a lot of cool character work. There, the whole plot around Casino Royale is basically Maz Mikkelsen, who is a great actor. He's in Hannibal and a bunch of other stuff, and he's just fantastic. He is a banker for criminals around the world, and he takes in a bunch of their money, and he tries to, to bet it on stock markets, and he tries to uh, tank the stock market in a specific way so that he can, he can gain money from it 
and become richer using the the other people's money. But James Bond stops it, and so he loses all that money. So what Maz Mikkelsen does is he orchestrates a poker game with a lot of wealthy clientele in order to make back his money because he is a mathematical genius. And James Bond, using British money, MI6 money, enters the, the poker game. And so like the whole second act, really, is just James Bond playing poker and like for like $150 million at stake in this one poker game. And it's awesome. It's just like a high stakes poker game. There's a lot of great dialogue. There's a lot of great scenes for Daniel Craig to do. And the the first act and the third act give it a lot of great action sequences to lead into that and to lead out of that. So you're getting a lot of good character work as opposed to something like Spectre, which is nothing. Just absolutely nonsensical, ridiculous, bad action scenes with a bunch of just horrible writing. Or Skyfall, which is just action scenes. Great action scenes, albeit, but just action scenes with only minimal character work for for Daniel Craig other than learning more about his backstory. Casino Royale is about establishing Daniel Craig as James Bond and giving him those moments to really shine as his own unique Bond, where he is both kind of like an action-y Bond like Pierce Brosnan or Timothy Dalton, but at the same time a suave, sophisticated, poker-playing James Bond like Sean Connery. That is my argument for Casino Royale. Top that, you bitches. Well, I will say that's incredible that you kept it at three minutes flat. Almost exactly. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely phenomenal. That's uh, wow. <laughs> wow, this is already like heating up. I love this. Up. All right. It is me next, yes? Yep. Uh, you mm. are Skyfall. Skyfall. Alright. And I will start when you start talking. Alright, here I go. Your Honor, in the previous cinema show that we did with Fast and Furious, you had talked about how you are more drawn to the more serious, more substantive films. You sort of call that pretentious, but I don't think that's pretentious. I think that (laughs) means you have a fine, acquired taste. Alright? And the Bond film that is most suitable for that taste is without a doubt, Skyfall, 100%. This film not only has all the essentials of a Bond franchise that you want and that you have, I'm sure, are aware of, all those elements, the class, the suaveness, some of the gadgets, all that stuff is there. It's beautiful, it's amazing. But this also has grounded characters that you actually care for, that you're attached to, that you want to see have good things happen to them. And they are put through the ringer in this one. Dylan said that there is no character work in here. Absolutely bonkers. The man's insane. Here, there is so much character work for Bond. Not a, he's modern and gritty, which was established in Casino Royale. But here, he is weary, worn down, battered by the life of being a super spy. All the mental and physical anguish that comes with that. We get to see that in display here. I mean, in the first act... He gets shot off of a train by his ally, which was ordered by Dame Judy Dench's M, who is the leader of MI6. And he is, he has to essentially for a while stop being Bond, stop being 007, because he's like, this life is just horrible. But he's drawn back into it because of his duty to his country and to M, played by again Judy Dench, incredible. Uh, she, she was the one who ordered the ally to take that shot 
on Bond to shoot him off of the train because he was pursuing this list of all the agents that are out there in the world, all the undercover agents MI6 has. And so, of course, that's very important. He's trying to track that down, get that. It's more important, though, in M's mind that she gets that that drive, that hard drive that has all the those names safe instead of not letting somebody take a dirty shot on Bond. And because of that, Bond and M, their relationship is somewhat fractured. In this film, that that relationship is by far the most complex, it's the most explored compared to any of the other ones. He and she have this weird sort of like surrogate mother-son relationship. And I mean, that is the emotional core of the entire film. It's Bond having to finally put aside some of his ego and focus on protecting somebody, not for sexual reasons, has to put aside alcoholism and all that stuff. He has to protect them because he truly cares for her. Something we've never seen before in a Bond. So that's why this one has deep emotional themes, deep emotional core, and that is my time. There you it's go. a little over your time, I'd say, Ryan. Hey, a little over. That one's on me. I forgot to hold up my iPhone timer. <laughs> no, it's okay. I blame Ryan. Hey, I'm Ryan, too. <laughs> no, not you, Your Honor. Ryan. <laughs> yeah, I will be referring to you as Your Honor for the rest of this, so please, please don't be confused. Mm-hmm. Oh, goodness. Okay. <laughs> There's only one Ryan now. My enemy. I've lost my identity. I am just the guy to watch the movie. <laughs> I've, I'm, I'm nothing but your honor. <laughs> and with that, hello, Kirk. Hello. You ready? Oh, yeah. All right. Go for All it. All right. Before I present my case, I want to let you know that you really don't have a bad choice in front of you. All three of these movies being presented today are genuinely excellent movies for a variety of reasons. But I want you to keep in mind the real question being asked here. What is the best James Bond movie. I think that Casino Royale is a great movie, but it's functionally a prequel film. He doesn't even say the line Bond, James Bond until the very end of the movie. Uh, And I think that Skyfall maybe is the best James Bond movie, but I think that it is only a great Bond movie when viewed in the context of the rest of the series. Spectre, on the other hand, is the best James Bond movie because it serves as an effective introduction to Daniel Craig's James Bond while hitting all of the classic hallmarks of a great Bond movie and having a story that, while it does connect you to some of the other Bond movies, it contains enough context to make a new viewer not feel lost, but still setting you up perfectly for whatever may be coming next. So let's talk about some of the classic James Bond hallmarks that everybody thinks of when they think of James Bond. We got gadgets, action sequences, seduction, fun locations, villains. We got three of them in this one. Cool villain lair and title sequences. This title sequence is perhaps the best out of any Bond movie that I have seen with some crazy octopus imagery and a haunting theme by Sam Smith. We have Dave Bautista as a classic heavy, which we haven't really seen in any of the other James Bond movies up until now. He's just this like basically silent wall of like, strength and just really a scary dude to be chasing down james bond uh we have uh ben wishaw 
who is, of course, Paddington Bear as Q, Bond's quartermaster, his tech guy, who's introduced in Skyfall, but has a more active role here. This is really a team that uh, coalesces. We have Bond, we have Money Penny, Q, M, and the new introduction of Andrew Scott as C, who ends up being an inside job. And while a lot of these other arguments have, have, have had to do with the plot of the James Bond movies, I want you to know that that has never been what any James Bond movie has ever really been about. Nobody can tell you the actual plot of Dr. No or Diamonds Are Forever. It's all about the iconic imagery and the gadgets and the locations. And I will wrap up early. And that is my time. I was about to tell you you had 30 seconds left, but mm-hmm. okay. Wow. That was a very uh, well-written, well-written script you came very prepared with. Thank you very much. <laughs> I lost last time, right at the last moment, <laughs> and so I wanted to be prepared this time. No hard feelings. Uh-huh. <laughs> oh, I have hard feelings because I still think that. <laughs> anyway, we're not bringing that back up. We're not talking about Fast and Furious movies, which I hilarious that you're talking about how I was like, I want like distinguished movies with like nuanced plot and stuff. From our Fast and Furious episode. <laughs> um, all right, so now I cross-examine. Is that right? Well, right. It's open debate for us, but you can always mm-hmm. chime in and ask like clarification questions or things like that if you want. All right. Pick apart our arguments, all that stuff. All right, so I'm going to start the timer now. Okay, okay, I'd like to go ahead and open this open debate by uh, by pointing out a couple things. First off, Kirk... The, the word you were looking for to describe your, your opening title sequence is hentai. It is, is a hentai yes. opening. Oh. That, that's the word you're looking for. Just because you're right doesn't make that a bad thing. Second off, second off, the, the two movies you listed as being great examples of Bond movies, Dr. No and Diamonds Are Forever, are two of the worst Bond movies. Like, are you I didn't say me? those were the best Bond movies. I didn't say that. I said no one can tell you their plots. Which is a separate point. Are there which any, is bad. Like, like you want you want to watch a movie that that you can tell the plot of, like from Russia with Love, where he's trying to track down a nuclear warhead, or like Goldfinger, where Goldfinger is trying to contaminate all of the gold in Fort Knox so that his gold becomes worth more. These are great plots. <laughs> that's so stupid. Which is <laughs> what makes Wait, it great. You're talking about like these complex. I know. See, Goldfinger is my favorite of the Connery Bonds because it is so dumb. And that's what makes Spectre great. Spectre is not a chilling, introspective look at this character. It's a wacky adventure movie, which is what a great James Bond movie should be. My problem with that is that Spectre does follow a lot of the things that Dr. No does in terms of archetypes for characters and silliness in terms of plot. But where where Goldfinger is exciting and fun and like interactive and excite and all these kinds of crazy things. Spectre is just boring. Spectre is just start to finish boring. I completely the disagree. Whole, the whole car chase in Rome, there's not a single other car on that street. It is just Daniel Craig driving a car. Oh, oh, he, he nearly hit yeah. one old guy. Get out of here. Okay, he does not nearly almost hit one old guy. It's the funniest mo- moment in probably all four of these movies no. where there is an old no. guy in a small Italian car who's just trying to like drive through these streets and Bond has to like come that up is... behind him and push his car along accelerating it to 70 and 80 miles an hour as this old man looks on in horror and attempts to keep control of his car it's that great. right there is, is what we call cheap humor 
It is uh, <laughs> it is easily written and not funny. Yeah, okay. This is coming from a series whose one of the movies is literally titled uh, Octopussy. So I don't think we're above cheap humor here. What are you talking right. about? That's a nuance small, to small note to make. Small note to make. Octopussy is actually one of the least funny Bond movies. <laughs> would not have right there. <laughs> To chime in here, to chime in here, mm-hmm. y'all, I mean, Dylan's like hurrying back on the previous Bond films. This is a new Bond number one. So Daniel Craig reinvented it in your film, no less, Casino Royale, made it True. pretty modern, updated. Um, so this film, Skyfall, that I'm talking about, it has that, which is great. It also, unlike Spectre, is entertaining when it has <laughs> some of the classic Bond elements, the seduction, the gadgets. It's much more grounded. There's no crazy foolishness going on. I mean, it makes sense for the world because they're trying to bring Bond into a realistic setting. This is the dark night of the Bond franchise. It this is, is a prestige Bond. Yes, this is a point that I will, uh, that will have to pay off later, but everybody listening should pause the podcast and go look up the hacking scene from the end of Skyfall, where there's this giant web of data, a hologram that's being projected in Q's office, and he's like typing on six different keyboards, and it's the most ridiculous thing, and how you could ever call a sequence like that grounded. Absolutely there are some yeah, as I said, most of it, grounding in, in Skyfall. It the is the character is, no no no. The character and the plot are for sure grounded, but as I said, it has those fun elements. He springboards off a of kimono dragon in Skyfall. All right, there's some moments where there's brevity, it's allowed to be or levity rather, it's allowed to be somewhat silly, but for the most part, it goes back to being this solid, more realistic more serious look at Bond, trying to peel back the layers of who he is and how he fits into this world when he's this old fashioned man who's somewhat exiting his prime in a world that's getting better at committing crime. Cyber terrorism is now the name of the game. And so he's having to confront these more innovative enemies while trying to hold on to what he knows. And so and we're, I- we're seeing that struggle play out. And Inspector, there's absolutely no character arc there. And the beginning and Casino Royale is sort of like establishing that bond. But again, it's far, it's in far much more depth in Skyfall. You get a lot more look at who Bond really is. He's challenged far more. We get a better look at his backstory. We visit his like childhood home. We learn more about who he is as an orphan. Again, tying back to why M, his boss, but also this one constant in his crazy life of globe trotting and revolving door women and getting shot at every day for his job. This one person who functions as a surrogate mother to him. And talking about the plots in this film, the plot makes sense and it's incredible. MI6 gets bombed. It's blown up. M is now in danger. And so Bond, again, has to come back from his like mini retirement of getting shot at by his ally. Has to come back. Has to deal with the fact that, again, he's out of his prime. He's not as fast or as strong as he used to be, but now he's got this true reason to to do what he normally did, which was driven by ego and being the best and whatever. Now he has legitimate, valuable reasons to do what he's doing. He wants to protect him, and he has to confront the best Bond villain, played by Javier Bardem. Incredible Academy Award winner. He's phenomenal in this. He has not blonde hair. He has incredibly <laughs> blonde hair. He looks like the people from the Californians skit on SNL. Yeah, he does. It's phenomenal. But he 
is great in this as well. And the motivation he has is not some crazy, oh, I want to take over the world for power's sake or something like that. Or I lost some money on stocks and now I want to play poker. No, no, no. This is him. No, 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 because he was a former agent. He was a part of MI6. He was the Bond before Bond. And so that made him M's favorite agent. So there was sort of that sorry mother-son relationship there as well. But M, like she did with Bond in that opening scene where she said, take the shot, and Bond accidentally got hit, she prioritized the mission over the agent themselves and left Javier Bardem's character, Silva, for dead. And he now wants vengeance. And so now he's amassed this crime syndicate, there's organization, whatever, that's using, again, these um, cyber forms of, of attacks. And he is trying to come at the one thing look, that Ryan, cares Ryan, about, look, the one look, rock look. that he has in his life. Look, Ryan, look, 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 look. is I'm a not foil for Bond as well. It's beautiful. It's Ryan, amazing. Ryan. Every other Bond you, is stupid. Their villain is stupid. This one has emotional weight to it. I'm not going to argue that the plot for Skyfall is bad. It is a good plot. It's why I love <laughs> it. You know I love Skyfall. He loves it. Ryan, look, he said I love Skyfall. Great, if you want to watch a really good action movie, go watch Skyfall. Exactly. But if you want to watch a really good James Bond action movie, You're go gonna watch, watch Casino Spectre. Royale. You're going to watch Casino Royale. You've got Daniel Craig, who is the new agent in town. He's he's not officially – he like becomes officially 007 right at the beginning of the film. So that's when he gets his license to kill. So he's very new and he's very reckless and he's very determined because of it. So he's not. Doesn't sound like Bond to me. It it sounds exactly like Bond. If you watch any of the older movies, Bond is a very reckless and very bombastic agent. You know, he's not like this seasoned warrior. He's just this crazy guy who's trying his best to save the world from total destruction, from stopping money from getting into terrorist hands, from fueling terrorist plots. That's his whole job, dude. I mean. If you're going to watch a good action movie, yeah, you can watch Skyfall. It's got a couple of really cool action scenes. But if you want to gr- watch a great James Bond movie where you get to watch Daniel Craig do a bunch of cool parkour, parkour stunts on like construction work, like 100 feet in the air, and then watch him do a bunch of crazy action in Venice at the very end, and then also watch him do a whole plane sequence where he's trying to stop a guy from blowing up a plane and he's chasing around the entire tarmac with a bomb strapped to the car that they're driving. I mean, the action is, is just as elevated in Casino Royale as it is in Skyfall. But on top of that, you have a lot of great nuanced, slower-paced scenes in these poker sequences that are the entire like 40-minute second act, sort of. like The second half of that second act is just this huge poker tournament that he's participating in. And there is a brief action sequence in the middle so that you do have that relief of getting some action. But you still get to watch Daniel Craig just do this great nuanced performance as this this reckless sort of violent new agent is being toned down to be sort of suave and sophisticated like sean connery would be it's trying to blend those two worlds together and plus just the way it's shot and the way it's written is just such an intense match like like daniel craig almost gets poisoned at some point and he has to like shock himself back to life like in the middle of the poker tournament he has to get up leave and then like do the do the uh, chest compressions to like stop like keep his heart from stopping because he was poisoned, and then he has to stop terrorists from attacking the poker fight. And the poker fight, the poker term is still going on. Like it doesn't end until like whoever wins wins. I'm not gonna spoil anything, but it's just 
It's just fantastic. I mean, Casino so I have Royale. a question. Yes. Ooh, go ahead, Your Honor. Yeah, Please yeah, yeah, yeah. So first, I just want to say I think it's hilarious that you said, like, there's a break from the not action with an action team. <clears throat> yeah. Uh, <laughs> but, um, yeah, I think you're, like, doing a good job of selling that. Um, this is – so I did want to ask uh, – you're talking about how, like, well they're matched. So I want to talk about, like, the villains of each one a little bit. Um, like, I have written down – you wrote – um, you wrote Maths Mickelson. Uh, <clears throat> you wrote uh, Oscar winner, but other time Javier Bardem and uh, <laughs> Paddington Two. So I'd like to hear argument. No, 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 no. Hang on. Hang Wait. On. Paddington. Uh, no, Ben Wishaw is not the bad guy in Spectre. He oh. is Q. He is uh, uh, James Bond's tech guy who's introduced in Spot. He's on the good guys. Okay. Yeah. Uh, the the actual bad guy, which you are going to love is played by Christoph Waltz. In one of his worst performances. In one of his most leveled performances. This is not the -the over-the-top Nazi of... Uh, of Inglorious Bastards. Are you saying he's to the actual... in Inglorious Bastards? Absolutely not. Unfair Absolutely not. Hey, I'm hey, saying they're Gordon. very different movies, and I think that the over-the-top stylization of Inglorious Bastards would not at all work in what Spectre is going for. But I think that Christoph Waltz still keeps the menace that um, Hans Landa is capable of, uh, but brings it down to a more shadowy performance. I would say it's a more bland performance is, is the argument I would go for. No. So his character, the character he's playing is called Ernst Stravo Blofeld, which is Stavro is, Blofeld. Stavro you. Blofeld is, is he is the arch nemesis of James Bond. He's been in, he's the villain that's in the most James Bond movies mm-hmm. overall and in a bunch of different books. And this is just a very lackluster sort of version of it. It's just kind of, disappointing to see and it, it definitely disappointed me having seen a bunch of the other james bond movies and seeing the other interpreters blowfield is the guy who's bald with a monocle with a cat if, if you're thinking yeah, of a he's, typical he's bond the inspiration villain, for that Dr. is that bond villain. he's the inspiration oh. for dr evil yes 100 movie and, and i will they, say they, they don't lean into that wackiness at all he's just yes Christoph they Waltz. do they absolutely yeah, do because really. he literally gets his scar in this movie because of stupid. an accident it's so great it is it does for blowfield what Casino no. Royale does for Bond. Okay, so disagree. Like you're so, getting, getting this car scene. I, that kind of makes me worried about like that being a fan service like a uh, Captain yeah, Marvel moment. 100%. Um, it absolutely is not. Yeah, it 100% is. It's like, oh, look, this is Blowfield. This is how he was created, which is stupid. So here's because this is not this is not based on a book or anything. This is originally written as a sort of pseudo origin story for blowfield to set up later movies because he is going to make an appearance in no time to die so that he does is, set up not, no time to die he's, he's not, not the main villain the main villain though he yeah. is in it though but at the same time this is uh this is not based on any kind of ian fleming story this is completely fabricated and it is just completely fan service because they just didn't have to do it they could have created their own villain rather than just trying to leech off of ian fleming's work for their own to create their own sort of original story which is Are the yeah. other ones ian your fleming movie story? is casino royale which is an ian Fle- it's the first it is, ian it is the very first so you want to talk yes. about lack of originality that's literally just aping off <laughs> the source material it's an adaptation what that's not leeching that's an adaptation that's taking a book and making it a movie we see it a thousand times everywhere that's What's just what people do with Spectre yeah but my yeah, yeah, it's, yeah it's, it's, it's the same is an original story my consider yeah. is that it's an original it's a completely original rewritten story but with used characters why didn't they just create their own character instead of reusing an old character that it's they're an giving an origin story 
it's not an adaptation. It is an original story. They there's nothing at <laughs> using established characters. Like I understand what you're saying with okay, they're going for an original story, but it's still the same characters, the same universe. But it's just fans. Why yeah. wouldn't they include? Some why of wouldn't they create and their own characters? There's far better arguments for why it's. Why are they inventing? <laughs> why are they yeah. inventing? <laughs> Why are they inventing an origin story for a character that Ian Fleming created rather than creating their own character with its own origin story? Because uh, it's more engaging for returning audiences. If yeah, you exactly. feel like it's you already service. know the story. No, if you feel like you already know the story of Blofeld, you're going to come into this movie and see the beginnings of those origins a mile away. So is it, but is it compelling no. for like, you know, like someone like me who's never seen anything? No. no, not at all. Not, it's even worse for those people because they just don't I even disagree. care. I disagree. Now there's no the connection like, attachment. There's there is a connection. It's revealed later on that after James Bond's parents were killed, he grew up an orphan, which is like part of his whole backstory and like has been for a while. Oh. He was taken in by this family, and uh, the only child I believe in that family already was Blofeld, Christoph Waltz. So they grew up together, and he had this resentment of Bond, and he actually like. That resentment drove him to murder his own father because his father like is preferred stupid. James Bond. It's not stupid. I, I would like to point stupid. out. I would like to point out how stupid it is. They literally <laughs> did that in Austin Powers. That is the joke they make in Austin Powers that Doctor <laughs> Evil like is related years, to Austin. This They're not actually up. related though. Oh my goodness, bro! It doesn't matter. It's the same sense. Like, it's oh, this we're exact brothers. Same joke. That is so bad. It's, it's terrible. That is the biggest. They were Con, you taking can say a about parody Spectre. and making it an actual story. That's it's just what I'm so saying. bad. It's so bad. But in Casino Royale, that is the first Ian Fleming book that was ever written. And so Maz Mikkelsen's Le Chief, which is the name of the villain, he's French, is the first Bond villain. And he's iconically Bond. You know what Maz Mikkelsen looks like. He's already a very intimidating character. And they give him a, a sort of wound across his eye that makes him uh, his tear ducts bleed because of because uh, of how the scar affects his eyes. So he's constantly like wiping blood from his eyes as he cries blood, which is intimidating enough. And on top of that, he's just this crazy mathematical whiz. And then the best part is that the end, like the very climax of his character is this great scene with Daniel Craig where they cut out the bottom of a chair and they make him sit in it. And it's just straight up cock and ball torture. <laughs> Is is it's I'm not even kidding you. It's a good ten minute long scene, like five ten minute long scene of just smacking a, like a very blunt object against Daniel Craig's cock and balls. Nobody is arguing that it's not awesome to see Mads Mikkelsen slap Daniel Craig's nutsack around. But Casino Royale is a glorified bottle episode. There's an entire, the entire okay. hour and a half in the middle set at the poker tournament. Okay, so and sure, it's great from a incredible. drama perspective, but it's not. You're a setting Bond? up characters. You're setting up. You're advancing James Bond characters. You're advancing Vesper Lind, who's the Bond girl. You're advancing the villainous aspects of Le Chief, and you're introducing Felix Leiter, who's the CIA operative, which is in a bunch of different Bond films and Bond books. There are books. more fun ways and to do that. Uh, there's more unrealistic and dumb ways to do it, like giving a backstory <laughs> to a character that isn't correct as fan service. Uh, Your Honor, like, go ahead. I, I'd like, for the audiences at home, I'd like to share that I, the only thing I've seen from any Daniel Craig movie <laughs> is about half an hour of Casino Royale, and I regret to inform you all that it was that half hour. <laughs> 
So I, you understand how great the cock and ball torture is in this movie. I'm not arguing against that. It's realistic. <laughs> it's it's terrifying. It, it advances how scary Lashif's character is as a villain. Like that sure. is what puts him above a lot of other, almost all other Bond vill- villains. It's specifically almost, the cock and ball torture. Javier Bardem is better. He's what good, but not better. No, I guess. Do my my question just to clear this up is. Do any of the other Bond villains torture any cocks or balls? No, not a single one. I, I can no. unfortunately say no. <laughs> but when you've seen it once, I mean, that's enough for exactly. a lifetime. You, you, you don't want to sit through yourself. that again. Also, I agree, you can't top the best. I agree. The, yes. biggest, <laughs> the biggest problem I had with the cock and ball torture is that after you James problem Bond with wakes it? up, I had, I had a problem with ha- what happens after it, which is that okay, James ahead. Bond wakes up and is in recovery, and then goes and bones down with Vesper Lynn, and I'm it's sorry. It's because he's got no, 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 no. Kirk. It's because uh, he's James Bond, Batman. and he can fuck any day, any time. <laughs> he has his so taken from him, and he grows it back out of sheer will, because that is what he was born to do as James Bond. You don't think that's part of his like training in like MI6 or whatever? You watch that whole movie, and you're convinced that Daniel Craig can't walk away from cock and ball torture, because that is his entire personality right there is no. the ability to survive and prosper after cock and balls or me what i'm saying is... this debate real quick um are you also arguing that, that is anyone here arguing that would be his first you know experience with you know tortured cock and balls or would that be like uh her interrogation probably it was definitely his first time yeah <laughs> what a, what a, yeah. what a chad anyway he was definitely walking in there not knowing what to expect so <laughs> I mean, so so we're probably the every audience of this movie. <laughs> I mean, just because you don't know what to expect doesn't mean it isn't going to be great. So well, he does know it. Moving on from so cock you don't need to see it again. Moving on from cock and ball torture, mm-hmm. um, if we have to, I guess. I know. I we got we got to save some time. Um, tell me about um, a little more about uh, Skyfall's villain. Um, oh, I'd love to. Which you said I'd this is like to. a. You said this is like a the villain with like the most character purpose, like the most like personal like motives. So I want to hear like arguments for and against that. Yeah. So again, arguments in favor of it. He is a foil to bond. He's a dark mirror to him. They both were MI6 agents. Both of them felt the betrayal of M their surrogate mother who prioritized a mission over their lives, despite her genuinely having care for her. Uh, the both of them. I mean, we imagine she did care Silva at one point we see like when he's locked up and they have their face-to-face confrontation we see that she just immediately disowns him there tries to do it very professionally like cut it off and we see time and time again in her relationship with bond um neither of them are very forthcoming with their emotions they're not articulate in how they care for each other they don't really show affection in that way that's not their personality that does make for very fun compelling dialogue though um but we do see that they do care for each other and towards the end of the movie it's literally just them like everything else gets stripped away and it's just bond and m at his old childhood estate which is called skyfall which is in the scottish moors like it's incredible um beautiful stuff which i'll get to that in a second but it's just them fighting against the army that javier bardem is bringing purely because again i mean he could cripple the world he took MI6 and blew up that building. He could do so much, but he's personally trying to get at M. And so, of course, that creates the biggest threat for Bond is 
there's that personal emotional attachment that he has. He's not just defending the world, which he is trying to stop this crazy terrorist, but he's also trying to protect that one thing that he cares for the most, the one constant in his life. So that part is what makes it beautiful. Also, there is a great scene with homoerotic undertones between Javier Bardem and uh, Bond when he's overtones. <laughs> well, you're not right. undertones. Oh, very <laughs> explicit. Beautifully so. He also is introduced in a one shot where he comes down an elevator from like 20 yards away and then just walks over monologuing about rats. And it's then great he gets the bond. It's a it great is. monologue because it's, it's a great monologue. perfect metaphor for the situation that uh, Silva, Bardem, and Bond find themselves in in, yes. in their relationships to each other and to M. And so it is by far the most layered, the most complex relationship that Bond has with a villain. Um, but and that but, makes it beautiful. I mean, I would suggest that cock and ball torture is in and of itself emotional between two people. <laughs> but I'm going to, to, to push also back a little against. <laughs> Yeah, I'm gonna push back a little against against your villain, which is gonna be hard for me to do because I because you love, love this. I film do love his villain, so and I do much. love this. You know villain. it's this true. You know it's this best. is true. But I will say, as great as a sympathetic villain is, and as great as the writing is for that, there is nothing comparable to a villain that is just sheer terrifying and just sheer villain, just sheer evil, which is what Lashif is. Like he is just this embodiment of bad. He's the financier for terrorists around the world. He's blowing things up just to make money and profit and to uh, capitalize on evil everywhere. And he's just this mathematical wizard who's completely like vulnerable at this point in the movie because he, his money has been taken away. And so his life is being threatened by all the terrorist organizations whose movie, who, whose money he's taken because he lost their money. So he's at a point of vulnerability during this poker game. And so you see him putting out, as much effort as he possibly can in order to win this poker tournament. That includes poisoning Bond. That includes tricking him using different kinds of bluffs. Like it's a great example of just very minimal sort of storytelling having a maximal effect because you're just having this this very small sort of small scale event happening this poker tournament, and it's just becoming it's just this big event in all these characters' minds because of how the story is playing out. So I just I feel like it is such a great way to use a Bond villain to, to have a scene between Bond and his villain is this very casual sort of situation, but with such ominous undertones under it. Because if Bond loses, he's essentially taking fifteen million dollars of the British Empire's money and funding terrorism with it is essentially what he's doing. So he can't lose. And that is awesome. It's very, very scary. But it's just such a great villain. Such a, he's a great performer. Nobody can argue against me on that. He's a very good villain in a lot of things. I mean, Hannibal is incredible. And he brings a lot of that similar energy to this in terms of being so cold and collected at all times and very mathematical and very uh, sociopathic and psychopathic. It's just so so nuanced and so small and so minimal and it has such a great effect on the viewer. And I just absolutely love the way that that plays out. It's absolutely incredible. Okay, we're back after some technical difficulties. We are adding 10 minutes onto the clock. Since it's such a vibrant discussion so far, we want to continue and we will pick up where we left off, which is Kirk talking about his villain. All right. 
Ernst Stavro Blofeld, one of the most iconic villains of the entire Bond series. Uh, he, as we mentioned, is played by Christoph Waltz, and he is introduced in this movie totally in shadow. There is a meeting of the villain organization Spectre, which has been actively controlling all of these things around the world. Their symbol is uh, an octopus, which uh, leads into the hentai in the, in the title sequence for this movie. Huh. But it's because they have such a far reach over the entire world and they can fit into anywhere. And so he is introduced completely with just one like big light shining behind him. So he's totally silhouetted. And you know from the opening credits that it's Christoph Waltz, but like James Bond doesn't know that it's Christoph Waltz. Uh, and that's both a very interesting thing for the audience to witness uh, stylistically, but it also for more seasoned Bond fans uh, is a throwback to Stavro Blofeld being number one in the early James Bond movies, especially the Connery movies. He was only shown just from his like legs down or from his lap where he'd be petting a white cat, which does show up in Spectre. He also has, I think, one of the more wild torture devices, other than obviously cock and ball torture is very practical. Uh, but it's the job. He has, though, it you. absolutely does. He has, uh, what I can only imagine is the worst fear of anyone who has ever flunked out of dental hygienist school. It's a little chair that straps your arms back and there are these little tiny drills that go into your face and cut through specific nerves in your body that affect different sensory portions of your brain. And it's a very specific kind of like fear mixed with needles and pain that really just kind of like gets under your sin your skin, so to speak. Uh, I also wanted to bring up one very important thing about Skyfall, which is the ending when they actually go to the estate of Skyfall and fight. The One of the great things about Skyfall is that it comments on technology. And I think there's kind of a meta commentary for how gadgets and tech are used in the Bond universe because it's where Ben Wishaw as Q is introduced. And he's this kind of like young, cocky, almost like tech startup guy, but British. Uh, and his cockiness and his like thinking of himself, his ability to hack into anything is what gets um, MI6 really taken down because he accidentally lets in this virus from the, the main bad guy. So Bond and M, played by Judy Jets, have to retreat into this countryside, to this estate. And they make all these like awesome booby traps. They like fill a light bulb with gunpowder so then when they flick on the lights, it explodes and like sends shards of glass into the bad guys. And it's really great. But for a first time viewer, I don't think it has the same level of impact because while you're like, oh, this is great. James Bond and that old lady have gone off to an estate in the country. It doesn't have the same level of impact as it might have for someone who has watched all these other movies and understands mm. the relationship that James Bond has had with technology over the years. Uh, and I think that that is one of the main things that makes it a great, great James Bond movie, but not the best for the purposes of this discussion. Go so ahead. just to push back on that, uh, as you said, I mean, that's a great sequence, them having to go down to just their bare essentials, using the old ways, as one of the characters says. That is a departure from, like again, the gadgety Bond finale stuff, but it works so well, and it does still work for an audience member who doesn't, have all that understanding of previous Bond stuff because it is 
tied so directly to the character arc that Bond goes through in that film. As he just brought up, Q is another foil for Bond because he's that younger, snappier, witty upstart um, who's got all this understanding of technology and whatnot. So he knows the new ways while Bond, of course, is still using the old ways and whatnot. It's a continual theme throughout the film of Bond having to confront the fact that he may be getting played out. He may be getting too old-fashioned for this world. And so he has to continue to buck against that as he's chasing down these villains and doing these things that he's uh, always been doing. And then in the end, we see him, and it's a great line too, where they say, some men are trying to kill us, but we're going to kill them first. Like they have to get get hold up in this big estate. They essentially do like a home alone montage thing where they set up traps <laughs> and whatnot. They have to use their cunning and intelligence, which is primarily what Bond is about, right? It's not just the gadgets that he has and whatnot. I mean, we care for him and whatnot because it is who he is, the skills he has and whatnot that, that make him the greatest super spy ever, that make him the true 007. And so I think it's a strength that they decided to do that with this film, not only character-wise, um, but just on a basic like film level, that's a very interesting way to go about it rather than cheaply utilizing all these um, tech and whatnot, which is sort of unearned given the rest of the subject matter and all the themes regarding technology and him being that sort of old-fashioned figure. So I think that is yet another strength for Skyfall. So yeah, right. you... um. I don't think uh, you've mentioned it, Dylan. I don't think it's uh, in your movie, but uh, Ryan and Kirk, you both mentioned M. Yes. Um, yes. yes. It is It is Judy Dench. Her biggest, so for mine is Judy Dench, for Ryan Hills is Judy Dench, but for uh, Kirk's movies, they brought on a different actor. It's, it's Ray, Ray Fiennes, Fiennes. He's introduced, who is great. He's introduced in uh, Skyfall, mm-hmm. and then for various reasons, uh, Judy Dench can no longer continue being M for the rest of the series. So okay. Ray Fiennes comes in and takes over the role. M is uh, the person who assigns Bond his missions, basically, mm-hmm. in all yeah. of these okay. movies. I will say there was a great part in Skyfall where he in- where they go to the Skyfall house and they find the old gameskeeper and James Bond introduces M to him and he calls her Emily <laughs> because they say M. Like Emma or something? Yeah. yeah. I think that's yeah. And like, that, 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 I will say, if we're talking fan service, that gameskeeper was absolutely supposed to be Sean Connery. Yeah. And then they yeah. couldn't get him. And it still feels really awkward. You're like, you're like, is that supposed to be someone? Am I supposed to know who that is? No, it doesn't feel awkward because they said, you know what? That would take people out of the movie if they did a blatant fan service thing like that. It would only be fan service. It so let's not would. do that. No, Another it absolutely, strength. it would be just even more... It would it would be fan service if they did it. It just feels awkward that they didn't do it. it it's like there's matter. this guy here who they showed up and he's there and he's supposed to feel significant, but we spend like two minutes with him and he has a little nice moment with Bond and that's about it. He's mm. someone from Bond's past, yeah. Other yeah, I would say who... M has the best character development in Skyfall as a whole because she, she does not take a bigger part in Casino Royale and mm-hmm. Ray Fine's version is a similar way in Spectre, but. The role that she that Judy Dent specifically takes in, in Casino Royale is as that boss figure, as that sort of motherly overlooking figure who is constantly being agitated by Bond's recklessness because Bond is a loose cannon, as he always has been. And I feel like and she's wrestling with the idea of making him a double O, because at the beginning she instates him as being a double O, which means he has a license to kill. And so the whole movie, her whole arc for that thing is debating whether or not Bond should have that status because he of how reckless he is. Like in the very beginning, there's a whole parkour chase where he ends up blowing up an embassy. 
which is is oh. insane. Like, and he gets caught doing it, so it all leads back to her, which is crazy. So, yeah, she she has a good a lot of good character moments, but I will say, in terms of character development, it is strongest in Skyfall. But that does not that does not mean she doesn't have a lot of great moments no, yeah. in Casino Royale. Right. I would just like to point out um, some other things. I mean, again, I love how you are talking about and in her essential role in all this, not present at all in Spectre, so you miss Dame Judi Dench. You get the best character development of her in Skyfall, as you do with Bond, and of course their relationship being the emotional core. Of course, Javier Bardem coming into it. Matt Smigelson is great, but he has more of a like subdued performance. You get sort of that, like what you would expect out of a Bond thing, like someone slightly more flamboyant, but there's still this deep menace to Silva because we know just how dangerous he is. Um, and he also has this like physical ailment thing, like he had bit down on cyanide when the mission went awry that uh, he got cut loose for, and it didn't kill him. It just like hollowed out his mouth. And so you get a scene like that where that's revealed and that is also incredible. So you get a really well-rounded villain in him. He hits all the marks um, of like that classic Bond villain you're thinking of, but also having that deep menacing vibe to him that it's, I mean, is reminiscent of No Country for Old Men. So. No, no, it's not. I mean, not on that level, but <laughs> no, the fact, not at all. Well, but I'm saying he's great at playing the villain roles and there is that level of menace. It's not, of course, that's like top tier stuff. But I'm saying that comes through really powerfully in I will his performance say, as well. The the whole thing where he, because basically the, the the way he shows the, what happened to his face is he takes out. He essentially has a retainer with a metal like plate that sticks up into his cheek, and so when he's in his prison cell, he like takes that out, which is so ridiculous because he would have gone through some sort of metal detector or some kind of search process where they would have, uh, yeah, where they would have removed it for him because he's a freaking supervillain. Why, would, they need why would you leave? He's in the why, biggest... why would you leave a supervillain with anything that could potentially yes. be used as any sort of weapon? He was in like yes. a lockdown cell. Like there's no way. Yeah. Admitting... And so part of that process would have been removing him of anything. <laughs> and everything. I suppose, but it's a great, great moment and i think there's also is. be an argument to them not doing that like if they say they checked it and they say, wow there's nothing Kirk. in this there's no <laughs> well, way let's be honest with specter i mean there's a lot we could talk about in terms there's of no way i know i know but let's i'm, I'm saying the charges no, in rome there's not a single car in the entire road no, you're absolutely one right about get that. out of here I, what, I, what i'm saying is i'm not arguing that specter is any kind of like thoroughly deeply grounded movie i'm saying that ryan hill's argument is based around that sort of like grounded realistic bond and that's something that really just kind of stands out as like okay well that would never happen that kind of defeats the whole purpose again i would say the yeah. intimidation at very least of it is gives me the ability to suspend to suspend any kind of disbelief because of how good of a sequence it is uh, yeah it's also again in no way am i stopping and thinking oh gosh that's really re unrealistic like it's feasible as well that they could have checked it and they realized there's no way in this cell that he's going to be able to use that as a way to like physically get out of there and so they just let him had it keep man. it like if they check it and say like okay there's nothing there and they're like okay let's not have this man yeah look gnarly in front of us final thoughts <laughs> casino royale is the most pretentious of the the daniel craig bond films in a bad That's way. my final yeah. In a good way. In a great way, yeah. In a very good artsy way, yeah. You're arguing towards, uh, you're arguing for me as a pretentious movie person. <laughs> I see. He's targeting. Mm -hmm. I am targeting. All right. So you want to go to closing statements? 
or is that yeah. or was that your was that your closing statement dylan <laughs> Uh, no, I can, I can I can do more. I can add more if you want to start tabbing me for a minute. Yeah. Okay, so I'm not going to spend a lot of time talking about Spectre because we all agree here that is a terrible <laughs> movie and I very much feel like you aren't going to pick Spectre because of how bad it is. So I'm going to go ahead and focus most of my time talking about Skyfall because that's my biggest competition. It is a phenomenal film. It is absolutely wonderful. Uh, it's got a lot of great elements to it. It has a very well-written plot, but at the end of it, it is an action movie. It is not quite, not quite a James Bond action movie. If you are here for the thrills and chills of James Bond, the suave espionage leading man, you're going to go to Casino Royale. The high stakes poker, the tuxedos, the fancy cars, all the expensiveness, the espionage that involves, the action sequences are fantastic and modernized, and it is a great introduction for Daniel Craig. It is a great villain. It is the first ever book written about James Bond, so the Sheaf is the original Bond villain. Everything is fresh, and it is a complete adaptation of the book, and everything about it is perfect. It is absolutely amazing. Pick Casino Royale. All right. Uh, let's go on to, to Ryan, because you're next chronologically. All right. I will start in three, two... One. So I also want to talk about the behind the scenes people that are in this film, because that is also what makes it incredible. Sam Mendes as director, Academy Award winner. Roger Deakins is the cinematographer. This is by far the best looking film ever. It got nominated for cinematography. Only time a Bond film has ever had that. So this is just absolutely incredible. Also Adele as the theme song also won the Academy Award. It is beautiful. You have to see it for those reasons alone. But it is also by far the best fusion of the gritty modern Bond that has Mission Impossible style stunts and the Jason Bourne action, but it also weaves in all that character stuff, which is incredible. Again, reminiscent of The Dark Knight. And it also has all the Bond stuff. It actually includes gadgets. Casino Royale had none, has the Aston Martin, has the classic stuff like that. He is still globetrotting in this. He's not stuck in one little Casino Royale place forever. He goes around the world, it's, it's amazing. So it is the perfect blend of everything you could want in a modern Bond film. It does it all well. Also, every time they open their mouth to talk about Skyfall, they have to compliment it which tells you that this is the best one. This is the Bond you must watch. All right. Now, Mr. Kirk, whenever you're ready. My sentiments are very, uh, very concise. Casino Royale is a great prequel. Skyfall is a great film. Spectre is a great James Bond movie. In Casino Royale, uh, James Bond hates all of the precise espionage stuff. And it's very clear in the very opening scene, he's chasing this guy through a construction site. The guy does a slick parkour move to go through this like tiny slit over like a drywall thing. And James Bond just bursts right through it. He just runs right through it. He's a blunt instrument. And, and, and M refers to him as such. That's not James Bond. That's a, guy, that's a man who will become James Bond through the events of uh, Casino Royale and Quantum of Solace, which by the way, I'm so glad we all agree that Quantum of Solace is trash. Uh, and Skyfall truly is a great film but the subversion of the james bond hallmarks hits harder if you've seen all of the other ones and inspector doesn't require that legwork and that's it all right all right so now is it uh is it time for me to 
So yeah, yes. you can talk about sure all of the arguments that appealed to you, the ones that didn't. Walk us through your thought process as you're deliberating this decision and then hit us with the final answer. Also, tell us when you reached that conclusion. Because with mine, it was like right off the cuff. <laughs> yeah, but no, I want to know if you like made your decision 20 minutes ago and you've just been listening and be like, no. No, that that's pretty much what happened, actually. Yeah. Oh. I've actually known. Damn it. I've, I've known for a little while. Um, but just to walk it through, I mean, do have like actual like full on notes, Ooh, nice. um, uh, including my favorite one right here, where I wrote in really big text, uh, cotton, cotton ball, ball torture. torture. Yeah, there we go. But I also do have uh, gay circle for Skyfall, uh, <laughs> which is a huge argument for. Um, so what I have uh, written is a lot is like, um, no, there's a lot of like everyone's kind of selling everything really well and what i thought was going to be a big like tiebreaker is going to be the villains um because those three incredible actors um i was i was thinking like kind of going in just from what i like knew like when, when you first started talking about the villains i thought i was going to lean towards casino royale just because mads mickelson is incredible um and i mean like javier Bardem and uh, christoph waltz are also phenomenal and uh for a while Kirk, you're making some really good arguments for uh um christoph waltz um i uh i don't know it's like there were a lot of things that were like built up and then like taken down by everyone else like i thought i was gonna make a comment i was like i do like a good title sequence but then you called it hentai <laughs> yeah damn it <laughs> but um, and I'm, I'm just going to go ahead and say, I'm sorry, Kirk, but it was, for most of it, it was between Casino Royale and Skyfall Ugh. just because that poker scene is such a huge sell. Um, it's, it's not a scene. It's an act. It is. <laughs> and that's what's so great is, about it. The poker act is such a huge sell. Um, yeah, it is. yeah. I mean, you literally said, I have written down thrills and chills. Um, it's so that sounds so great and that sounds like and you were and just how much you talk about how it's like an equal adversary that's incredible but my pick is skyfall because yes, uh, of that emotional yes, uh. core talking about how like, like it's a perfect foil um oh yes how it's like it's not just bond being bond it's bond like actually like uh having like an ego versus virtue argument it's um got an emotional core they show emotion um you know they're both like like how the, you talk about how like these characters are like um reacting to kind of like feeling betrayed by mom judy dench and um and honestly the best argument that ryan said was that both of you had like both of the others had to like talk up skyfall in between defending their own oh, so yes. i'm going with skyfall that that's the one that's best sold to me Excellent I respect choice. that decision. All right. As long it as it's not Spectre. <laughs> <laughs> I'll tell Skyfall you what, is an excellent film. I had never seen uh, Spectre until <laughs> Ryan Hill texted me and was like, hey, what movie do you want to pick for the podcast? And I was like, oh, shit, I got to rewatch uh, Skyfall and Spectre. And so I watched Skyfall and it's a beautiful movie, but I had to like pause halfway through because I got bored in the middle. And then oh. I came back and finished it. And then I watched, but I watched Spectre all the way through in one go. And I was like, this is so big and so dumb. 
I love it. <laughs> and that's a good argument too. Like I, I should have sold it more as the Venom Let There Be Carnage of the Daniel Craig. Guy. But it's actually uh, bad. Like it's dull and boring. It's not. Like, it's, so it's legit boring. boring. It's so not. It's so boring. Hey guys, I picked. It's all right. <laughs> I'll make him watch both. It's fine. I, mean, I know I where you I'll make him watch them. Casino Royale. Honestly, I kind of want to watch all of them. Oh, um, yeah, for sure. Yeah. Honestly, do. Yeah. And then I we can get your opinion four. on which one you actually think is the best. <laughs> Casino Royale. <laughs> Should he I says watch Quantum of Solace. <laughs> watch Quantum of Solace. <laughs> Bro, get a fifth person in here and we each argue for one. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Yeah, if I pick Quantum of Solace, is that going to like back up on my uh, uh, – Tokyo Drift argument from last time. <laughs> it won't make any sense. No, it, it's just it, a Quantum bad Souls movie. is very bad. Yeah, um, I barely remember it. It's so bad. Like it's yeah. just so not see, remarkable. No, I think Quantum Tokyo Drift is, is not better a bad than movie. Spectre. I, I would agree. No. I think no. Spectre is so boring. I think boring. it legitimately is. Spectre, Spectre is. You can at least say Spectre is infinitely more well shot. That's than Quantum true. of Solace. Yes, sure, but, but I mean, at least I'm in, engaged in Quantum of Solace. Quantum of Solace also are, is so much shorter. At least I'm not vomiting when I watch Quantum of Solace. <laughs> I also it's had no idea two and that. Um, I had no yeah. idea that Skyfall was Mendes and Deacons. Like that's that's exciting. Bro, hit him in there with the last minute. It's so beautiful invocation. It's you you waited until closing arguments so that yeah. I couldn't push back on that. Well, you have to I do the strongest. I mean, How could you push back? Yes, yeah, Deacons are Lord and Savior is incredible. Deacons, he made yeah. the best looking Bond film ever. How can you push back? I could have I could have pushed back against it. I could have tried. In, no, to be faster. fair, Dylan, to be fair, I picked like 20 minutes before that was mentioned. That's true. Dude, but that was true. icing on the cake. Like I mean, that was the all the accolades they got, all the amazing. If I was being totally honest, after the arguments all done and everything, I think Casino Royale and Skyfall are on equal grounds completely. You're both in so my amazing. eyes, they're both amazing. Casino, like, you also really never. Are. Which had I played Casino Royale, I would have played up the whole Bond girl element because that You're is right. such yeah, because like, again, such a good. Yeah, he was trying to argue like, oh, it's the Bond film. I mean, this is so subversive of the Bond stuff because it's Bond actually falling in love with and caring about a girl and then not yeah. just being like a Bond girl. Um, and she and that is, is like, so, a great character. Yeah, that's the yeah. essential part of I think. Like, that's the, the just, core if I had that. if I had five more minutes, that's what I would have <laughs> got to do next because it's the Bond think, girl. I, I wanted to play up. I wanted to play up Maz Mickelson and and the cock and ball torture was what <laughs> my big focus was on. I thought I if he had not if Ryan Mayers hadn't already seen that scene, I think I could have sold him on it. No, yeah, like, that would, just I, out of I, curiosity. Absolutely. Yeah, if he hadn't have actually seen it, and I said, by the way, there's cock and ball torture. It was just the interest that would have been peaked right there would have been enough to sell him on it. I, yeah, I think the I think you know the the shit post angle would have convinced me to pick that. <laughs> just. It, it could oh, have okay, worked if guy. only he had. When you said I that you know. had seen thirty minutes of Casino Royale and it was that part, I was like, "Damn, there goes my shock, <laughs> my shocking selling point." I also want to say, like Spectre, like you didn't undersell it, Kirk. Like that's like I, I really do want to watch all of these. Um, you did a lot of work defending. Yeah, you really tr- you tried really hard. It's it's not it's genuinely not defense. I active I really enjoyed Spectre. I think my Which I think so the reason bizarre. why though. Is, I, pro- I probably should have brought it up earlier is i watched over the past like month i watched all of the connery bonds uh, and then i was planning on watching all of them but i ran out of time because it comes out on friday uh yeah. and so then i watched skyfall and i was like this is a great movie this instantly jumps jumps to the top of my like picks and then i watched specter and i was like this is like all of the great stuff of connery bonds put into like today 
and like made a little bit more grounded so that I actually care about shit. And it's wonderful. I, I should rewatch it. I haven't seen it in a long time. Absolutely yeah, don't even. <laughs> he always does. He's like, yeah, I didn't rewatch it. I was like, I'm, uh-huh. I'm not going to watch that bad movie. I do I'm remember like, sitting oh. in the theater and hating it though. So, and that was that was not that long ago that I watched mm-hmm. it. Like, was... I was a fully formed adult. <laughs> I was a fully formed adult at that point who who was able to construct a, an intelligent opinion, and I knew I did not like it, and I feel like I probably won't like it again. But I'm willing to rewatch it. It's very good. It's very silly. It's very good. So my. Uh... My homework is to watch at least Skyfall, I suppose. Mm-hmm. Yes. yes. Are you going to, when are you going to see No Time to Die? Opening um, Probably. You support my box. You should probably office. not go and see it, you know? Yeah, this I was going to say. I haven't seen nobody it go and see it. I'm going to see it. Those of you that are listening at home, just skip No Time to Die. Just wait for Ooh. Ghostbusters Afterlife. Go see that instead. <laughs> that'd be a, would that be a bad one to have my first one be is No Time to Die? <laughs> I mean, I have no idea. Like, well, can... I think it's very dependent on like all the previous ones, which obviously was uh... mostly Spectre, though. I well, would say. yeah, because you're carrying over the villain yeah. and the Bond girl in supporting roles. In yeah, I think I'm gonna try for that. I'm gonna try and like get uh, see if I can make it through the four before I go to see it. Go for all of them, yeah. Okay, I mean, yeah. I did it. I did a Bondathon this past weekend, and like, which ones did you watch, Ryan? I watched all. I watched them all, <laughs> including Quantum of Solace. Yeah. Why? <laughs> Nobody picked it. Nobody picked it. Well, I know, but we just agreed that it's better than Spectre. I enjoyed Quantum Assault more no. than Spectre. Uh, wow. There are some. I'm glad I skipped Spectre. I'm glad I skipped Spectre. I watched every watch Skyfall and Casino Royale because those are the two I had to choose between. See, I was excited. Part of the reason why I was excited for this um, was that, or part, part uh, for one thing, I didn't really have to do much work for it ahead of time. Um, <laughs> that is the nice movies. job of being in the judge seat. It yeah. is, but also I remember uh, when Kirk, when you were watching it, and like I obviously was like you know out of the room, so I don't bias myself. But also, you were really excited afterward. You were like immediately just like so on board with that movie. For which, which one? one? For Spectre. Oh yeah, it's so <laughs> good. It's great. Yeah, so I was like, oh, you're gonna argue really well for this, and like, oh man, I'm. <laughs> And you did argue well. I, I thank, thank you. you. Wait, so yeah, what, it was a valiant effort. What exactly was the point where you were like, okay, I yeah. have my answer. Like you put in the envelope and you were done. Um, I think it was when you were talking, or it was when you said, I think when you t- said specifically that Javier Bardem is a dark mirror to Bond. God damn yeah. it. Dark we let him talk too long. That was that was the one I noticed. That's what I'm saying is with that's this the hard thing to argue against Ryan is he doesn't stop talking. No, no, no. Well, because Dylan, you were hogging it in the beginning, you and so too. I said I yeah. need to get in here, and so yeah. that was my moment to just like go off and rattle off. Dude, you just showed out the entire plot of the movie. You, you like you were like <laughs> let me just run you through beat by beat the entire thing. Well, yeah, it that works, was like so. that was an argument against it at first. Was that you just like kind of said what the movie was about rather than like. Ooh. Tell me the highlights. Movie. Yeah, me or you? See, yeah, yeah. But Trace. also, I mean, you won in the end, so like, what well, it worked, <laughs> I guess. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it was the actual like emotional core and like emotional characterization that got me. Um, yeah, movies. All right. Well, congratulations, Ryan. Congratulations, Ryan. I guess Thank cock you. and ball torture couldn't Thank beat you. you. <laughs> couldn't nope. beat deacons no it's you. still funny that that Imagine was the that before we've been Dude. 
talking about this. Can you imagine how well Deacons would like Daniel Craig's balls? Uh, the shadows cast by that man's scrotum the detail oh great the vivid imagery that would create what lens do you think he would use i'm thinking you go as wide as possible i really don't i'm debating whether or not i'm going to tell my parents that i recorded this but uh, you must they need to know they need to be mr and mrs mayors if you do decide to listen to this let me let me just tell you right now that we just love cock and ball torture. I mean, oh, this, no. this is this is no. the kind of friends your your son has made in college. Oh goodness, no! <laughs> That's amazing. It's so funny to me as well. We've been talking about it for like weeks in prep for the show, and Dylan was always like, "Bro, Skyfall's the best." I was, I was, I was gonna pick Skyfall. I was gonna pick Skyfall. I was really gonna pick Skyfall, and then I rewatched Casino Royale after like eight years of not seeing it, and I was like. I like this one. I like this one a lot. And then I decided I really wanted to make the case for cock and ball torture. I really, this is the only time we can bring this up on this show. Yeah. But the problem is I could kind of tell you really wanted to pick Skyfall. Like, I don't know. It felt like Casino Royale was kind of a second choice. It it was my first choice. He said Skyfall is beautiful. I love it so much. Yeah. I I wanted to be clear that like it is a good movie, but I genuinely do believe that Casino Royale is just like, that ever smidge that very tiny slight smidge better i don't think i think it's the reverse but they're both really good films it's kind of insane and hopefully no time to die will also be up to that level i think from a writer's writing perspective skyfall is better but from a person who has seen plenty of the james bond movies and appreciates like the the stories around it and the culture around it casino it, royale just takes the edge just a it's little the most problem is i'm only one of those things no that's true as well it is it is fully it is both subversive and completely immersive in the idea of james bond culture because of the way that ingratiates itself in the suave nature of james bond and the bond girl and all of that stuff and the evil villainous the the imagery of the villain of being such a, a total dark figure and at the same time creating this very gritty and naturalized bond who has very realistic action sequence parkour sequences and is in it's in no way it's i know i know i lost i know you do get a point though for rhyming subversive with immersive yeah they know where you were going with that and then you said and i was like "Mm," but then you you brought it back together i was like okay if only I'd made that. If only I made that point during the actual <laughs> argument. I could have won. If he rhymed rhyme. submersive with immersive, I mean, I if I could have wrapped my entire argument. <laughs> if you could have wrapped your entire argument, I might have like picked it just so you'd stop. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm sorry. That was so weird. Ah. God damn. <laughs> but no, I am. I am. I am a sucker for uh, you know those bars. Indeed. <laughs> All right, so I guess your movie of the week is No Time to Die. Go watch it this weekend if you want to support Ryan, I guess. I just, I love Bond so much. I can't argue against Ryan for the box sake of the box office draft. Go see No Time to Die. It's going to be a great movie. We're going to have a lot of fun. We're going to talk about it next week for a brief moment before our main segment. No Time to Die is fantastic. Probably. That's all the time we have. I, I, like, I realized it as I was saying it that I hadn't seen it yet. You're calling up shot now? That is, I'm calling that I'm going to like it. I feel like I'm going to have a good time at the very least. I think I'll enjoy it. It looks good. I love Daniel Craig. I love Carrie Joji. What's his last name? No idea. Fukunaga? Is it Fukunaga? Yeah, something like that. 
Thank you. I love him. I love True Detective. That's that's a great series that he directed. Uh, and I love Phoebe Waller Bridge. Wait, that's not right. Yes, well, yes, it is. Yeah, it is. yes, it is. It, yeah. And on a I was confusing that with Phoebe Bridgers in my mind. <laughs> oh, I like I, I switched the two in my mind, but like all the all the people that are attached to this movie are fantastic. So I am very excited. Anyway, that is all the time we have. If you'd like to give your thoughts on the show or make a suggestion for the movie of the week, you can email us at theboxofficeshow at gmail.com. Our main title theme for the show is Sundown by Joseph McDade. We'd like to give Kirk and Ryan a big shout out for coming out tonight. Thank you guys so much. We had a lot of fun. We'll love to have you guys on for another cinema showdown someday. This was this was a ton of fun. I want to judge the next one. I want to find a series that I haven't seen so that I can do, do the judging. Oh, yeah. Thank you guys for coming out. Be sure to tune in next week. We'll see you all then. Goodbye. Goodbye.